0: Continue to worship as we continue to remember the great sacrifice that you made for us. May it leave us awestruck by the deep love you have for each and every one of us. That you would be willing to die. To spill your blood. For the redemption of all who place faith in you. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, great to have you here this morning. Wow. Dude, can you, can you say happy Good Friday? Is that even? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Happy Good Friday. Right? Here's, here's the day that we gather together to remember an incredible sacrifice, to remember the crucifixion, and to be reminded of the incredible gift that god gave us to his son jesus christ now when you when you look at the bible it's it's really quite striking to think about good friday because when we when we look at the story of the of the bible we recognize that five days before and earlier on in the week jesus entered jerusalem to a hero's welcome to the crowds you know praising him and 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 saying hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord, to the Son of David, this this processional that that you know invited Jesus into Jerusalem, and and if you if you read the story, Jesus went and cleansed the temple, and he went and healed people in the temple, and it was this amazing celebration. But then, some five days later, you know at. at here here we are with the crucifixion that at the beginning of the week people were saying guess what maybe maybe there's something to this jesus maybe there's something that's going to change maybe maybe this being under the bondage of rome maybe maybe you know Maybe my life will dramatically change. Maybe things will be different. Maybe maybe some things will change. Because what, whoever this person Jesus is and what he's brought to the world and what he's doing to people and how he's healing and how he's taught about, you know, God the Father, there's got to be something that's going to change. There's got to be something that's going to change. So maybe, maybe, maybe the future of what Jesus is going to bring is something that we can look forward to. And rest on. But here we are, some five days later, that Jesus is hanging on a cross. And it's not just any death. It's not just any execution. It's the cruelest execution of all. It's, it's the execution that the Romans used specifically for criminals, for people who had no you know, citizenship, that were, that were seen as the worst of the worst. And here we have Jesus being sacrificed in this particular way. I love what Philip Yancey writes. Philip Yancey says, The Jesus I learned about as a child was sweet and inoffensive. The kind of person whose lap you'd want to climb on. Mr. Rogers with a beard. Indeed, Jesus did have qualities of gentleness and compassion that attracted little children. Mr Rogers however he assuredly was not not even the romans would have crucified mr rogers and isn't that striking what happens when politics and religion centered in power and authority and conspire together to crucify the Son of god i 'm going to read a little bit of a section from the Gospel of luke and it and 's it's, it's a striking part of the crucifixion story and here 's why it 's so important. It comes right after G- Jesus saying to a thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. That Jesus is crucified with two men on the other side. One is belligerent and indignant and is not willing to admit to anything in his life. And is indignant to the point of death. The other thief, on the other hand, you know, says to him, what's the matter with you? Can you not see that forgiveness is available? Can you not see what is going on here? That even in your own life, you cannot admit, you cannot admit that you need to be saved. That you need redemption. That you need forgiveness. That you need healing. And he leans over towards Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says those amazing words that from a cross, That as he himself is dying, he says, today, this day, this moment, that you will be with me in paradise, that some kind of transaction happens to a thief on the cross that is a promise of Jesus at a moment that we wouldn't think at all that he had any opportunity to give a promise whatsoever. And yet for that thief... It was a guaranteed assurity for him that eternity rested purely in the hands of Jesus. So let me, let me read this, this passage that continues from that story. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And the, and the Greek there could be either innocent or righteous. or Righteous. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. Again, they went home beating their chest because they were so sorrowful at what they had experienced. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. You know, for those that had witnessed the crucifixion, it would have probably confirmed their worst fears. That what began at the week... And the hopeful expectation of what had started at the week and the potential of maybe this could change some things, for, for so many people, they would have thought, you know what, maybe, you know, I can't believe it. Rome has won again. The authorities have won again. The powers have won again. That maybe what I thought was hopeful, maybe what I thought was going to change, maybe what I thought was going to be, you know, a, a, a different world, that I wouldn't have to, you know, surrender myself and, and just see myself at the bottom of the ladder all the time and the social structures and the economics and, and the power mongers and the people who have authority and all those things that happen in this society and happen in this world. I was hopeful for the change. But maybe maybe things aren't going to change. Maybe things aren't going to be any different. That this, that this is just going to continue what, what we've experienced from here on in. And nothing, nothing, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change. That the hopeful Messiah, that the hope of Jesus as the Son of God and everything that he taught was maybe empty words. Maybe it wasn't important. You know what I find so fascinating about God? And I think, I think we all instinctively know this. I think we all instinctively know this. For those of us who have eyes of faith, for those of us that recognize the work of God in our lives, that even in the darkest moments of life, that even in the moments of life where things seem the worst, there's something about God That leaves us with an element of hope there's something about God that leaves us with a little door that opens a little crack of light a little thing that says you know I'm here do you know that this is difficult that for all appearances this is horrific for all appearances you you smell death for all appearances nothing seems to have changed but as God does in typical fashion God finds a way to give us hope in the midst of the darkest situation possible. And you know, it's embedded in this story. We, we, we can't miss it. It's embedded in this story. You know, we talked about the thief on the cross who, who, who at a moment, we, we, you never think Jesus would have any power, any authority, any ability at all. And yet this thief who is deserving of death, finds forgiveness and hope in the person of Jesus who is dying right beside him. It's interesting, too, that... that just before jesus dies this text tells us that that the curtain in the sanctuary in the temple was torn right down the middle now most scholars believe that this is the curtain that comes between the holy and and the, the holy place and the and the most holy place that this curtain where the every year the high priest would enter into and give sacrifice and and that sacrifice would appe- would would appease the sins of the entire nation once every year he would go and he would do that and jesus in the midst of dying on a cross, that, that, that God rips this curtain. And, and Josephus, the historian from the time, says that it was a heavy curtain from Babylon, and it was purple and blue and scarlet, and, and it depicted the universe because you know, because that curtain recognized that you enter into the place where the most holy is, that the creator of the universe is there. And Jesus has that ripped. And it, and it depicts this, this opportunity that now exists for those who are believers, that they can come into the very holy place of God. And we call it the throne room. That in the midst of all of that, that something happens. Something happens. What about, what about this Roman centurion? This person who, at least from the title, uh, assumes that he oversees at least 100 people under his, under his command. And it implies, too, that this is, this is just a normal day for him. That he oversees his execution. That he has seen this time and time and time again. That this is just another person who, who maybe started an insurrection or started a revolution. Who made a threat to Rome in such a way that they wanted to crucify him. But in the midst of it all, he sees whatever it is. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us what it is about this Roman centurion that makes him go, you know what? This guy was innocent. This man was righteous. That there was something different, different. He didn't hear the cursing. He didn't hear the swearing. He saw the surrender. And it was different. It was different. It was different. And then the friends... Who are standing at a distance wondering what it's all how it's all going to unfold how it's all going to unfold and maybe they were remembering the words of jesus when jesus said for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life <laughs> That was for effect. (laughs) It worked, didn't it? Yeah. But he gave his life as a sacrifice for many. See, here's the thing about the cross. That in the midst of the story of the crucifixion, there's two ways to look at it. You see, you can look at it as just another crucifixion. You can look at it as just another person who fell under the authority and the power and, and, you know, those who had an agenda and just was able to get Jesus up on a cross and to kill him. Just another person that they just got out of the way. Another person who just wanted to do okay. Just another person who wanted to try and right the world. But of course, the powers and authorities that be just were just too hard to get around. And Jesus is just another person that they took and got rid of. You could look at the crucifixion that way. Or, like those people that knew that something was different. Like the thief on the cross. Like the Roman centurion. Like the people standing at a distance. They saw the crucifixion as something much, much, much more. They saw it not as a crucifixion of just another person They saw it as a sacrifice. And they recognized it as a sacrifice. And they recognized it as the greatest expression of love that God could ever give us. That if we're going to talk about forgiveness... We have to understand it through a sacrifice. If we're going to understand mercy, we have to understand it through a sacrifice. If we're going to understand redemption, we got to understand it through a sacrifice. If we're going to understand reconciliation, we need to understand it as a sacrifice. Some of you have ever have heard that for for forgiveness to fully take place, something has to die. And you can look at the crucifixion as just another. Another execution. Or you could see it. In, in the way that some people were wondering about, that some people knew something, something, there's something different about this one. This isn't just the execution of another criminal, that this is something dramatically different, that God is not done with this story yet, that God is not finished with this person yet, that whatever, you know, whether it's a martyrdom that's going to change the world, you know, who knows? But this is a sacrifice far and above, because this is a righteous man, this is a holy man, this is a man who healed people, who taught about what it meant to be in communion with the Father, that this is a person that would dramatically change the people and the situations that he touched and taught. And it just can't come to an end like that because it doesn't make sense of God. Doesn't make sense of God. I like what John, I like what John Stott says. He says, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Isn't that that so true? While the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. See, that's at the heart of the cross. That's at the heart of the cross. That Jesus took your sin, placed it upon himself, and brought forgiveness to its full and complete and once and for all satisfaction before God and that when we place faith in Christ that the sacrifice that he gave for us was once for all, was pure, was perfect, was holy and because of it and because of it and because of recognizing it as a sacrifice like so many did that that time, We can be forgiven, we can be redeemed, we can live with hope. And though some people would say, you know what, nothing changes because of this. To those that recognize it as the sacrifice ultimately from God, it changes everything. Part two, Sunday morning. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. For the wonderful sacrifice of your Son. I know that sounds so contrary and to ears that don't believe that that sounds so... I I don't know. But as Paul says, to those of faith, it is the salvation of those who believe. It's not just the death but a glorious sacrifice offered up to the Father once and for all. And Lord, I want to pray for any here who are here this morning who maybe have not taken that step of faith. I pray, Lord, that your Spirit is speaking to their heart right now. That they will move from just Jesus being a Uh, a nice man who just got on the wrong side of Rome to see it as it truly is the greatest sacrifice of all exacting the greatest love of all to the people who claim it by faith we thank you for this day in Jesus name Amen
1: We ask that you would stand as we take time to solemnly reflect on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Even on this darkest of days, Good Friday, we remember that hope is alive.
2: His body on the cross His blood poured Run away! love will your love now that we'll your sting I'll resurrect I swear to We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the Lamb has opened.
3: If there are words for him, then I don't have them. See, my brain has not yet reached the point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. My lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love my voice you see my voice is so inhibited restrained by human limits that it's hard to even send a praise up you see if there are words for him then i don't have them My God, His grace is remarkable, mercies are innumerable, strength is impenetrable, He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He is unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond all comprehension, further than imagination. Constant through the generations, he's the king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few, and to try and capture the one true God using my vocabulary would never do but I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior, a savior that is both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever. He has won my heart, captured my mind, and bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion, conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them but what i do have is good news for my god knew that man made words would never do for words are just tools that point to the truth so he sent his son jesus christ as the word Living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, giving nothingness. Formation. And by his word he sustains in the power of his name. For he is before all things and over all things he reigns. Holy is his name. So praise him for his light. The way he persevered in strife. The humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Praise him for his death. That he willingly stood in our place. That he lovingly endured the grave. That he battled our enemy and on the third day rose in victory. He is everything that was promised. Praise him as the risen king. Lift your voice and sing. For one day he will return for us. And we will finally be reunited. For my words point to the word, and the word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ.
1: God's extravagant love consume you. Christ's life and passion inspire you, and the Spirit compel you to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. We go out in peace, in the courage and grace of Christ to share God's extravagant love, amen.